Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Praise God. Before we get started this morning, I just want to encourage everyone about breakthrough tonight. Let me ask this question. Let me ask you a question. How many here, by lifting your hand, you'd say, you know what? There is an area of my life that I need God desperately to move. Raise your hand. I want to tell you, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. Tonight's the night that you get breakthrough. Now, you can, th- this is the thing that you can do. There's two choices here. You could go, oh, well, I don't really got to go to church. I don't have to do that. God can meet me where I'm at. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. He can. And oftentimes he does. But when Jesus wanted Peter to walk on water, he had to get out of the boat. Amen. Amen. All of us believe in an altar call, right? You can get saved right in your seat. But yet we pull altar calls. Why? Because there's something in the stepping out. There's something in going, I'm going there. I'm going to step out. It was there God told the prophet that he would be fed. He says, go to the brook Cherith. There I will feed you. God could have fed him right where he was at. Think about that for a moment. The ability of God to feed you. God could have just made him sustain without food. No food. Just, he could have lived. Just, he could have just went, you're going to live without food. There you go. And go three years without eating. But he says, you know what? I want you to go there because it's there that I've commanded the ravens to go to. Amen. There. A lot of times what we want to do is, no, 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 God, you command the ravens to come here. And God says, no, I'm not taking orders from you. You go there. You go there. And if you'll go there, and, I, and you know, we don't like this because somewhere along the line, it's like, well, you know, then, you know, God's going to make me jump through the hoops. No, God's not making you jump through hoops. What God's doing is bringing you into a place of obedience because it's through that. See, with every action, when we are obedient to God, when we're obedient to him, it releases something supernatural. That's why we lift hands. He says to lift hands. Amen. There's something in it. That's why we get baptized. He said to be baptized, right? That's why we take communion, because there's something spiritual in it, and it's in the obedience, it's in the doing. God could do anything. God, I, I mean, there's so many things that he could do. When you think about the, the, the immensity, the, the, when you think about how big he is and how powerful he is, there's nothing that he can't do, but yet he puts us in these situations where he says, I want you to be obedient to me because there is a releasing of the supernatural in the obedient. Yes. Amen. And so tonight is breakthrough. And I don't know how many hands, probably 150, 200 hands were raised today. I need something. Well, come on out, six o'clock, breakthrough. He said, well, what are you going to do? We're just going to sing some songs and pray. That's it. No, no wild ingredient. Nobody's going to be swinging from no chandeliers. And, you know, uh, our, Pat, 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 Pat's going to, Pat, Pat and Shannon, they will be swinging from chandeliers. So if nothing else, come see that. It should be entertaining, if nothing else. 
But come on out. Come on out. You say, why? Because I believe tonight's your night. God, God is going to do something for you. Can you say amen? Amen. That was free, no charge. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me again over to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 1, and then we're going to go to Jeremiah 17. We'll get to that here in just a second. But <clears throat> you may ask me, you may say, Pastor, why do you keep using the same text over and over again? Well, I believe this morning there is something uh, that are in these two passages of Scripture that we really need to get a hold of, something that needs to get down deep inside us, something that needs to become a part of us. And, you know, just like anything else in life, there's something about repetition that creates something in us. You know, we understand it across the way. It's like, you know, when you were in school learning your times tables, what did you do? You did it over and over and over and over and over and over again until it just became part of you. Then, you know, we, you know, remember, remember that big line paper we had to write our A's and our B's? And we did it over and over and over again be, until all of a sudden there was kind of like this muscle memory, so to speak. And the, all, all through life we understand this, but when it comes to the Word of God, sometimes we breeze across stuff and we don't really catch it. And I, what I believe God is telling us, I believe He's telling us as individuals and I believe He's telling us as a church, is that He wants us to go deeper, He wants us to grow. And we said, you know, a couple weeks ago, we said that's going to be a little bit of a process that may require some change. It may even be a little bit uncomfortable. We may not always like it, but the peaceable fruit of righteousness that will come as a result of it will be beyond this world because God wants us to grow. God wants us as a body of believers. He wants us to grow. God wants us as individual Christians and believers. He wants us to grow in him. And so we came up with the theme for our year, Rooted, and we've come up with the series by the same name, and we're continuing with that. And, and I want you to listen to these portions of Scripture, and I want you to get these deep down inside. I want these to become part of your conversation. It says in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Man, we, that, there's such a promise in that. And he says, look at there is a passion being revealed here. He's talking about a person that is setting aside the, 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 the wickedness and the evil and the, 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 the sinning of the day. And he's setting that aside and he's saying, look at I'm going to put my mind on the word of God. And this idea of meditation oftentimes can be a little bit difficult for us. But let me ask you a question. How many here by show of hands you've ever had a problem that you were worried about and it kept you up late at night? and you just couldn't go to sleep, you're thinking about, well, now that we know how to meditate, that's meditation in the negative. That's just meditation. That's what it is. Meditation boils down to, I'm thinking about it. And that's what he's saying, is that we take the Word of God and we put it into our lives and we begin to, we begin to ponder it and we begin to meditate on it and we begin to think about it. You know, we could sit back and think about all the problems and the difficulties of the day and we can think about what we're facing and what if and what if and what if. Well, or what we can do is we could go, what if God blesses me? 
What if God does good for me? What if I, I sow this seed and an abundant harvest comes? What if his word comes to pass in my life? What if, if I meditate, I'll be like a tree that's planted by water that brings forth its fruit in its season and my leaf will never, ever wither and everything I do will prosper. What about that? What if I think on that? That's what he instructs us in his word to do. That's meditation. Then we go to Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. This idea of meditation on the word brings forth a trust and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. Listen to that. These are such powerful scriptures. He who trusts in the Lord, he who trusts in the Lord, this is the one that shall be planted by waters, which spreads out its river uh, roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. Have you ever had the heat on you? I'm not talking about just temperature. I'm talking about, it's like, you know what, man... There's been some things you won't fear. Your leaf will be green and you will not be anxious. You'll be, you'll, you won't have to worry. There won't be that worry in the year of drought when, there's, when everyone else is trying to figure out how are we getting this done. It's like it's done for me. I don't understand it. You won't cease from yielding fruit. You will continue to do exactly what God called you to do. Can you say amen? This is what the Bible is telling us. And as we continue with our series entitled Rooted, we're seeing how incredibly important having healthy roots really are. It cannot be understated today how important having a healthy root system is. Without a healthy root system, we are vulnerable to so many devastating things. All you have to do is look back into the parable that Jesus taught about the seed and the sower, and he talks about the different roots. He says, you know, when the seed, which is the word of God, when it fell by the wayside, it never penetrated, it couldn't grow, it couldn't gain any roots at all, and it was easily ripped off. Then he says the seed that fell on the stony ground, that's the place where temptation and persecution, you know, the roots grow quickly, and, but they're not very deep. And so when the heat came, there was no healthy root system to keep them there. They, were, they, 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 they faded away. They dried up and burned out because of persecution. And the roots that fell upon thorny ground, it's those areas of our life that we're not dealing with. Those things begin to choke out the word. But the, but, but the seed that fell <coughs> on the ground that could produce a healthy root system, those people became 30, 30 60, 100-fold producers in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there was an abundance in their life. Can you say amen? And what we're talking about, as we talk about this, we're talking about the dimensions of spiritual growth and maturity. And there is a process this morning to this growth. It takes time to develop the root system. It's also intentional. It never happens by accident. Never happens by accident. We have to be intentional about it. And the main thing that many of the men of God and the women of God that we see in the word of God, including David, who's probably the greatest example, is that their roots were deep. They were deeply sown. They were deeply growing in this thing called trust in God.
And because David trusted God, God could trust David. And what we're talking about is we're talking about growing in God. Can you say amen? And we're going to talk a lot about that this day. And before we get there, I want to remind you of a couple things. Last week, we looked at three keys to developing a healthy root system. Number one is to focus on the wall that's in front of you. Remember the example of Nehemiah and he instructed them, go build, go repair the wall, go build the wall that's in front of you. You know, and that's such a rich, rich piece of advice because so many times as Christians, we're always looking for something else. Amen. Just especially the moment we experience a problem or a difficulty, the temptation is to go somewhere else. If I don't like this restaurant, I'll go to another one. And that may work for restaurants, but when you get into spiritual matters, it greatly complicates your life. Trust me. It greatly complicates your life. And there are things that happen and there are things that come as a result of pulling ourselves up and going to where we think the grass is greener. And let me tell you something, it is never greener. When you get there, you find out it's crabgrass. You find out there's a lot of weeds in it and you find out, wait a second, it ain't no better over here than it was over there. All I've really done now is I have, have, uh, I have hindered and I've stymied the growth that God wants in my life. So he says, what I want you to do is I want you to pay attention to what's in front of you. Don't go there, don't go here, do this. What's in front of you? Then the second thing he says, pay attention and accept what God is teaching you in your current circumstances. What is God teaching us now? What is, you know, the Bible says this, it says that, you know, that God makes all things work together to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, he didn't say all things are good. He says he causes all things to work out for good. Now, that's an interesting verse because it, it implies that some things are going to go sideways. You know, we're always trying to figure out how to have this perfect life. Well, friend, you ain't going to have it. I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble, but no matter where you find yourself in life, it's not going to be perfect. And so what God's wanting us to do is in those moments where we have setbacks and slowdowns and different, he wants us to learn through our circumstances. He wants us to grow in the midst of what he is doing. Can you say amen? And then finally, we said the key to growing is embrace being hidden. Much of the growth, growth most All of your growth that you go through is going to be in the secret place. It's going to be in a hidden place. It's not going to be in public. Not everybody's going to get to see. There are going to be things in your life that you're going to grow in and experience that no one will ever know about. And if your desire is that people are, that your life is on display, and see, and this is something that's a kind of uh, unique to our generation right now, is because never before have we had the ability to have our lives completely on display through things like Instagram and Facebook and, you know, everybody's dirty laundry is, is, is announced and, you know, we know what's going on. For heaven's sakes, we know what food you're eating. And you know what? And the reality is no one cares. 
Have, 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 okay, let, let me, let, I'm not being hard, but just think about this. Have you ever, have you ever looked at somebody's meal? Maybe you went, oh, that looks tasty, or maybe that's, but have you ever went, oh, thank God they posted that, now I know what to have for dinner. <laughs> thank God. Now, I'm not, look at, I, I know that one of the things is it can be a point of relationship and we can encourage one another and all of that. And there are great things. I'm not condemning all of that because it can be good. But oftentimes what happens is we put our lives out there as if somebody really does care about it and nobody cares. You know, you, you know when I'm looking at Facebook, this is what I'm doing really fast. And usually I stop on really cute puppies. And lately I've been stopping on Baby Yoda. They're the only thing worth looking at. Anyway, that's, I digress. But somewhere along the line, what we've got to understand is a lot of this is going to be in the hidden place. And every key to thriving in the midst of the process of building our root system requires the same crucial factor, and that's this, trust. Listen to what I'm saying. Without trust, we will never do anything successfully. Amen. And we must understand that our trust in God is the main thing he is pursuing and wants to develop in our life. God wants us to come to a place where we can trust him with our whole heart regardless of what we see around us. And let me tell you something, church, that's incredibly difficult. Now, when you're in a good way and everything's going well and, you know, you got a raise and everything's happening and all that, it's, yeah, I trust God. But what happens when there's not enough money to meet all the bills? What happens when the cat just had puppies? What happens when there's not enough food in the refrigerator? What happens when you go out to the car and the tire's flat and you're late for work? What happens when there's not enough gas? What happens when you and your wife and, or you and your husband are fighting? What happens when you have a child in rebellion? What happens when, when, when there's dissension in your life? What happens when your boss decides to blame you and you had nothing to do with it? Can you stand in that moment and trust God? Can you stand assured that God knows the truth? He doesn't know the truth from a biased position. He knows the truth as it purely is. Are you saying he sees all sides at once? Are you seeing that? Can you trust him? And that's what he wants. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. In church, if there's ever a verse of scripture that has gotten down inside of me and started jacking around with all the walls, it's that one. It's that one right there. Because God says, trust me. Don't try to figure this out. Acknowledge me. Sometimes, I'll be honest, I'm mad at him. Whoa, wait, time out, preacher. You're mad at God. Now, I know, 
Nobody else would want to admit that. But there's times when I don't like what he's up to. And I'm thinking, if I was God, this is how I'd do it. Come on. And what he says, I want you to acknowledge me. And he says, and the result is, I will guide you. I will direct your path. So what does it mean to trust him? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines trust as a basic dependence on someone or something, a belief that some, something or something will happen or someone will act in a prescribed way. But there's, there's a lot more to it than just that. It's not just a basic dependence on someone or something. I want you to look again at, at Jeremiah 17. He said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And then he adds this thought, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree. So in other words, this one that has come to this place of trust is one that has planted himself by the river of water. What is that river? The Bible tells us it is the Holy Spirit that flows. He says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he's in reference to the Holy Spirit. And he says, and then you will spread out your roots by that river. You won't fear. You'll be green. You won't be anxious. And you will, you will not cease bearing fruit. You will have what God intends you to have. So trust is to be confident it's to be bold, it's to be secure, to be safe. It, its implication is relationship. Can you say amen? amen? Through scripture, trust is such an important part of effective relationship. I dare say you can't have relationship without trust. You know, when trust falls apart in a marriage, the marriage usually falls apart. When trust falls apart in a job, or, or, or in a business agreement, or whatever endeavor we find ourselves, what we are hoping for quickly falls apart. And throughout Scripture, <coughs> trust is demonstrated as such an important part of our relationship. Joseph trusted God while he was in prison. I, you know, sometimes it's helpful that we would insert ourselves into these stories. Think about the situation. Joseph trusted God when he's in prison for something he did not do. Weeks turned into months. Months turned into years. After five years, after seven years, after 10 years, after 12 years, he's moving into 14 years in prison, and he's wondering, what did I do? God, you gave me a word, and now I got beat up for it and sold into slavery, accused of something I didn't do, and now I'm in prison. God, don't give me any more words. Amen. Amen. But he's there. See, our problem with this kind of stuff is we know the end of the story. <clears throat> we know the end of the story. And we shout and go, oh yeah, Joseph did good, but this is what I'd do. No, you wouldn't. Neither would I. Think about it for a moment. Hey, if the lady at Circle K doesn't give us the right change back, the world ends for us. Amen. If our burrito had cheese in it and we didn't order cheese, we're wondering why is there a conspiracy against me? Come on. If we're driving down Stockton Hill Road and we hit a few stoplights, we're convinced that they've set them up to sense our car to slow us down. 
Or if you get behind somebody that is, you know, today they're going to drive slow. You're convinced that they woke up, thumbed through the phone book, found your name, your address, your telephone number, somehow searched out what car you own, and got in front of you. (laughs) Joseph is in prison. Now, he's not in prison because he, you know, he got caught doing... He's in prison because a woman said he tried to rape her. This is... Not only is he in prison, his whole reputation is being thwarted. He's known as a rapist. He didn't do it. But he trusted God, and in meanwhile, God raised him up to be the leader of the prison. And then installed him as prime minister of Egypt. Come on. We got to catch that. Noah trusted God when he was told to build a big boat in the middle of the desert. They didn't know what rain was, nor did they know what boats were at that point in history. (coughs) And then he says, oh, by the way, you're going to have to go get two of every kind of animal. Okay. Moses trusted God to deliver the Israelites when their backs were against the Red Sea. David trusted God for victory when he went up against Goliath. And in 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, for I know the one in whom I trust. I know him. Trust, trust has two basic elements. Number one is intimacy, and number two is dependency. See, trust means we're intimate and dependent. And and what Jesus was talking about, this is exactly what Jesus was talking about in John 15 when he said to abide in him. If you remember, it's the analogy of the branch and the vine. And see, when the branch is by itself, it can do nothing. There is no life in the branch. It has no ability to produce on its own. It can do nothing. But the moment it is in an intimate position by being engrafted in the vine, life flows and the branch is completely dependent upon the vine. And that's Jesus' example of how we're to be. Can you say amen? God's desire is that we develop the ability to walk in deep, unbroken intimacy with him and to relentlessly depend on him. The only way he can build this root system of abiding connection is by taking us through a process that asks again and again, do you trust me? Every time we say, I trust you, and walk it out, our root system grows. Now listen to me this morning. It should come as no surprise to us that the thing that God wants the most for us is also the thing the enemy is primarily primarily targeting and assaulting in us. Listen to me, church. Every spiritual battle you face, in fact, All spiritual warfare centers on trust in God. The enemy has used the same strategy again and again as he used in the beginning. When he showed up in the garden, what he did was get the the children of God to doubt the trustworthiness of God. And then he got them to trust something other than God. 
And the enemy is dedicated to convincing us that God is either withholding good things from us or failing to protect us from bad things. Church, that is so, there is not a greater statement said than that one. See, oftentimes we just believe that God's up in heaven withholding. What? 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 Get out of here. You bug me. We think God's a lot like, you know, what was that guy that, uh, you, go away, you bug me, kid. I, I, can't, I, I can't remember the actor's name. He was an old actor back in the day. W.C. Fields, go away, you bug me, kid. That's kind of how we think God is. is we, have, we go into his throne room, and it's like he's looking down, go away, you bug me. But God, I, I, I need healing. Go away, you bug me. That's not God. God's so intent on healing us that he sent Jesus to die on a cross, and Jesus submitted to the beating, the breaking of his body, the crushing of his body as payment for our healing. I, I challenge you, go rent or buy or find a copy of The Passion of Christ and go watch the scene when Jesus is being whipped on, uh, uh, and, and, and they're, they're scourging him. And you sit there and realize that that depiction is minor compared to what really happened. And then you realize that Jesus did that. And he says, I'm willing to pay the price so you can be healed. It's not God up in heaven resisting. He's not unwilling. He wants to, but the devil is so crafty that he wants to convince us that God don't heal no more. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Why would Jesus submit to that only to have it go away? Don't even make, it don't even make good logical sense. It doesn't even pass the logic test. Oh, gosh, I'm so far off these notes. Hang on. The enemy, he discovers our deepest fears and our longings. How many know that the enemy will watch you for a while? He'll watch you. And he'll discover your fear and your longing. And then he will exploit the area of your life that you are vulnerable in so that he can sow mistrust into your heart. And every time we experience pain or disappointment or loss or terror, he tells us that God has abandoned us. That's what he says. He goes, yeah, see, I told you. God wouldn't be there for you. Where is God? Oh, I bet he's in China right now. And then he tells us and convinces us the only thing we can do is to protect ourselves. Every time we see something good and desire it, he tells us that we got to take it. Get it. You got to get what's yours instead of letting go and letting God give it to us in his time and in his way. And the enemy is constantly trying to trick us into mistrusting God so that we end up taking matters into our own hands and putting ourselves on the throne of our lives. And ultimately, we destroy ourselves. See, when you look at history and the fall and all the destruction that came as a result of the fall from the refusal to trust God, it's difficult to understand why God would ever trust us again with such dangerous choices. But the truth is, and it remains that he has given us the choice to trust him. And he tells us it's worth it to him. He says, this is worth it to me. 
Listen, God's not intimidated by the enemy's smear campaign. If you think God is one millisecond intimidated by the devil, you need to read the Bible again. And he's not intimidated by your struggle either. Nor is he freaked out at it. He knows. He too knows our deepest fears and longings. And he knows them better than anyone else. And he's confident that these areas of our weakness and our vulnerability are where he can prove himself trustworthy. He's the one that said to Paul, Paul comes to him and says, Lord, deliver me from this. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my strength will be perfected. We don't like that. Because that means we're part of the equation. But it is how he operates. And that's why God leads us into places of vulnerability where the deep things in our heart are exposed, where he gets to reveal himself as our protector and the one who fulfills our deepest desires. He's committed to showing us through his process in our life that we can trust him with everything. David's journey of building trust started as a boy when he was caring for his father's sheep. David dedicated himself to building intimacy with God through worship. And I suggest you do the same. We also know that he learned dependence on God when he fought the lion and the bear in the field. And when the time came that he needed to go up against Goliath, he was ready to pass the test because he was prepared. Listen to what he says in 1 Samuel 17, 37. David tells Saul before he goes to face Goliath, he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he'll deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's a declaration of trust. He's going, you know, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know. He says, I know I'm going to get a rock and I got a sling, and he's got a pretty big head, so pretty good target. He goes, I don't know about all the mechanics. I don't really care. I'm going to do my part, and I know God's going to do his. And just as he delivered me from the lion and the bear, he's going to deliver me from Goliath. Jesus was tested in the area of trust by the devil. You remember Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil came, and the devil assaulted him. He began to question his identity. If you're really who you say you are, then turn that stone into bread. And what did Jesus do? He says, no. He says, I don't live by bread alone, but I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, I trust God to meet my need, not myself. I am not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to do, then he takes him to a high pinnacle. Do you remember that? He takes him, it's a miracle, shows him all the kingdoms of the earth at one time. And then he says, all this authority I'll give to you because it was given to me. And he says, you know what, you can have it. I know that you came to get authority back. Jesus, I know this is what you came to do. And he says, if you want it, there's a shortcut. Just worship me and I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, no, not going to do that either because I'm not going to violate God. I'm going to trust him. And over and over again, the devil assaulted Jesus and Jesus came back at him and says, I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to trust God. See, if you want to build unshakable trust in God, 
and pass the trust test in your life, then you have to let God teach you how to be intimate and dependent. These are the roots that God wants to establish in your life. Can you say amen? amen. See, intimacy and dependence come <coughs> only through personal experience and encounter with God. David said in Psalm, 19, or Psalm 910, he says, and those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. This knowing is much more than just being able to recognize or to be able to repeat his name, but they've had an encounter with what the name represents. I don't know him. I don't, I don't say to him he's El Shaddai because I know God is big and high and lifted up and that he's almighty and all that. But I've had an encounter with El Shaddai. I've had an encounter with Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. I have an encounter with Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. I have an encounter and I know him because I've experienced him. And then again in Psalm 18 too, he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength and whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This is something David mined out in the privacy of his intimacy with God. Can you say amen? Amen. Along with his voice, we need to come to know his character. We need to come to know his character. He said, what do you mean? Listen, God is a God that cannot lie. Do you understand that? He cannot lie. If he lies, he ceases being God. Amen. He's a perfect father. He is love, filled with grace, mercy, and kindness. Are you hearing me? He is all-powerful. <clears throat> he has the ability to do anything, and contained within his ability is the willingness to do it. Can you say amen? amen? And listen, and God says, I'm faithful to a thousand generations. <laughs> Trust also this morning implies a willingness to let go, to relax, to rest, and to submit. It means to not lean to our own understanding. We don't go by what we see, we go by what we know. Job, in Job 13.15, uh, he says these awesome words. He says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. This statement may come across as a little melodramatic when we consider what Job has gone through. It's, it's pretty powerful. He's lost everything, his family, his wealth, his health, his friends. And yet in the, minute, in the midst of it, Job looks beyond his circumstances. Now we know reading the book of Job that he struggled. We know that he struggled and people spoke into his life and he was wrestling through all the nuances of what he was going through. But in the end, Job came back to God and says, I trust you. I trust you. That means that Job knew the power of God. He knew the majesty of God, and he knew the absolute love and wisdom of God. And nothing happened to Job that was outside of God's knowledge or his control. And as hard as it is to understand the hardships, the difficulties, the trials, the heartbreaks, the unanswered questions, you need to understand God's in control. Listen, I say this to you today. I speak this sermon to you today 
in the midst of my own trial. So this is not some sort of thing that, that I, I'm professing that I got complete handle on. This is where I have to go back and I have to go, you know what, God, I trust you. I trust you. And sometimes it's scary. Sometimes the not knowing, the feeling out of control, the vulnerability, it, it weighs in. But consider this. In Matthew 10, 29, the Bible says, not even a sparrow worth only half a penny can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Are you hearing me? And then David, I, I, I actually, I, it wasn't David that wrote this. I, I actually think it was Moses that wrote this. But he says in Psalm 91, he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him. I will trust in the secret place. So as we close this sermon today, as we bring this to an end, what does it mean to trust God? It means that we rely more on the unseen than we do the seen. Trusting God means we rely on His strength and not our own. Trusting God means living His way, not our way. Trusting God means that we follow the lead of the Master. We trust Him by coming to Him despite the obstacles. We trust Him by giving ourselves fully to Him. We trust Him by persisting in our faith even when He delays. We trust Him despite what others do and say let me say this to you church let me just tell you this as we close there's going to be a lot of people that have opinions I'm working on a sermon right now about opinions and I'm not sure what to title it <laughs> I was going to title it everyone has one and they all stink but I, I don't know if that's going to go But you know what? There's going to be people that speak in your life and they'll have half the story or they'll have three quarters of the story or they'll think they know or whatever. And you know what? People speaking in your life is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, everything that you do, everywhere you go, has to be measured by one thing. It's, what is God saying? See, there came a time when, and you can read it in the book of Acts, when Paul was going to go to Jerusalem and a prophet came and said and he, he actually did kind of what they call a prophetic act he he came and he bind he took his uh, a cord off his robe and he bound his hands and his feet and he said he goes when you go to Jerusalem this is what they're going to do to you and they're going to beat you and it's not going to be good for you he said so you ought not to go and Paul says I know I know that's going to happen but I am compelled by God to go and he goes, I need to go because this is how I'm going to get to Rome to where I can, pre I can preach in, 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 in Nero's court or Caesar's court or whoever it was at the time. And he goes, I need to go. 
And sometimes even prophetic words will try to sway you and all of that. But at the end of the day, what we need to have, and this is, the, this is why the root system needs to be developed, we need to have that intimacy and we need to have that dependency to where we can hear his voice. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice and they hear me. I was struck by something I read the other day. I, I, I subscribe, subscribe to a lot of blog sites. And this one blog, this man was saying, he goes, if you haven't heard, the, or he, you know, yeah, he goes, he, he asked the question, he goes, have you heard God's voice in the last 24 hours? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> and his point was, he says, you know what? God is speaking a lot more than we understand. And God wants to speak to us all the time problem is is oftentimes we're just not in tune with him you know and it's because of these distractions it's because of these things that creep up that's fighting to gain our our attention to take us away from building that root system and it can be distractions in our family in our church in our home in our finances on and on and on and on and on and those things speak so loudly that sometimes it wants to drown out voice of God and oftentimes it's very very human of us we, we start paying attention to that and that's the strategy and that's what we've got to do is we've got to we got to stop I remember the last time I could tell you that God spoke to me which was just a, a couple days ago really and I haven't told anybody this but I was in the prayer room and praying and, and praying through issues and problems and stuff and you know that didn't seem to have any answers or rhyme or reason to them and just in, the, in, in, my, in my spirit, I'm not going to say it's an audible voice. It wasn't. It was kind of like the still, small voice. This is what I heard. I'm like, God, what's going on? And God goes, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. And I'm going like, thank God. Somebody's got to blow this up, man. I, I, you know, you, you've heard of the movie Wayne's World. Well, you ought to get into John's World because it's Wayne's, Wayne's World is a cartoon compared to John's World. And let, and let me say, I, you know, I've hung on to that, and there's been moments where I, I, I have to go back and meditate on that. I don't know what that means. I don't know. I have no clue what that means. I know what I'd like it to mean. But somewhere I do know God's speaking, and if we'll listen, and sometimes he just says, sometimes he'll just say, you know what, I love you. I love you. Sometimes he'll just go, you, you're my favorite. say I'm your favorite yeah just like she is and he is and she is and we're all his favorite the Bible says we're the apple of his eye and so church I my goal is is to help you deepen your roots so that you're intimate with him church we got to quit phoning it in you know it, it can't it cannot it cannot in these days whatever these days are, and there's all kinds of thoughts about what these days are, but whatever these days are, it cannot be just a part of our life. It has to be our life. Otherwise, you're going to get sidelined. One day you'll look around and you go, that fat little preacher told me this. And I should listen. Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace and Father, we do come to you. And we say, Lord, right now, as an act of faith, we trust you with all of our heart. 
And Lord, we stand against trying to figure things out. We will not lean on our own understanding. But Lord, we do right now acknowledge you. We acknowledge you you're, that you're leading us and that you are going to order our steps. You are going to show us the way. You're going to light our path and you're going to direct us. And Father, we're careful to give you all the praise. And I pray, Lord, that you touch each and every one in this room. And right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just for a moment longer, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you'd like to, you'd like to give Jesus your life. You'd like to ask Christ to come in. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? Would you lift it up all across this place? Say, I need Jesus as my Savior. Hallelujah. If you're backslid, at one time you walked with him, you talked with him, but now you find yourself disjointed, but you want to re reconnect, you want to rededicate your life. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Lift it up all across this place. Amen, I see that hand. Someone else, amen, I see that one. Someone else. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I dedicate my life to you. Help me, Lord, to grow in you. And I thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.